about anything? You ever ever had a moment where you've been lied to and you realize that you've been lied to? It's it's never a fun feeling, uh, especially when you've kind of you've internalized that lie and you kind of live by it, right? Uh, and uh, so when when I was a little kid, little little kid, I uh, I was I was lied to by my own sister, and she told me while we were coloring a, a coloring page one day, she said, "If you color outside of the lines." The police are going to come and arrest you. Uh, And so I believed that lie, and I became the greatest coloring kid ever. Like, it was, I was a rule follower. I did not want to get picked up by the police. And so I I actually won a coloring competition at JCPenney. It's a true story. Uh, And uh, because of that lie, when I figured out, that that wasn't entirely true. I was kind of mad. My whole world was kind of shaken as a six-year-old. So it it wasn't great. But whenever we talk about this particular topic, it starts to spark all sorts of lies within your head. Uh, And and all sorts of things start to happen and fire. And you're just like, oh, you know, what is he going to talk about today? How is he going to freak me out a little bit? So here, I want to go over a couple of these common lies uh, that we begin to believe on this particular topic. Okay, so lie number one is this. Lie number one that swirls around in our head is, more is better. More is better. If I have one dollar, what's better than one dollar? Two dollars, right? What's uh, if I have one car? What's better than one car? Two cars. If I have one kid, what's better than one kid? Four kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if I have a small house, what's bigger than what's better than a small house? A bigger house, right? If I have some clothes, what's better than some clothes? More clothes, right? Um, you know, so so. I, when I was a, when Adrian and I were first married, we, we got a job in, in near Augusta. We uh, got a, uh, we were going to buy this old house that was built in 1904. It's an old cottage and it was cute and uh, had a little red roof. It was, it was a cute little house. You remember that house? It was, and, and we almost bought this house and we walked through it. And what I remember about it uh, was all the repair work that needed to go down. So I'm glad we didn't buy that house. But, um, uh, I remember walking through the house and there was, there were no closets in the whole in the whole house, there was actually only one in the master bedroom, uh, and that closet was only about yay big. It was probably two and a half linear feet, and it had one pole, and that was it. It was the only closet in the entire house. That was it. And I remember thinking, how in the world am I? What? Where am I going to put my clothes? Right. And uh, because I know that Adrian's going to take that closet uh, and probably more. Like, it, it's just, uh, where, where are we going to put all of our stuff? And, and, and now, I mean, houses are built with closets as the first priority, right? So, like, some of you have, like, we, you know, we have huge linear closets. When you first move into your brand new house in Cane Bay and they put that wire rack around your closet, what is the first thing you do? You rip that out and put two racks, Right. That's, that's what we all do, right? And it, like some of us, we, we have not only the double racks for our clothes in our closet, but we have walk-in closets with double racks. And then some of you have closets that are not walk-in closets. They're walk-around closets. And you can do like laps. And so, some of you have double walk-around closets. And then when that's not enough room to fit all of your stuff, it's like, okay, we're going to move into the garage and create more storage for all of my stuff. And when that fills, you know, cars are made, or garages are made for cars. Just factual, okay? Uh, But we fill it up, we fill up the garage, and then we're like, oh, we, we ran out of room for all of our stuff inside of the garage. I've got to rent another building 
to fill my stuff in that other building. Like, and so we begin to think that more is better. Last weekend, Adrian was out of town visiting some family, and so I went to Sam's and I got the big bag of Boom Chicka Pop, right? Big bag from Sam's, right? And I sat on the couch and I probably ate two gallons of that stuff, right? And, uh, and, and, and I figured out that night as I was laying in bed alone moaning uh, that my stomach was about to go boom, chicka pop, and um, more is not necessarily better. Number two, line number two is this. Everything I own is mine. Everything that I own is mine. My house is mine. My car is mine. My clothes are mine. My 401k is mine. My investments are mine. Everything that I own is mine. I got one of my, one of my daughters, like, we got her a, a bike um, recently, and a brand new bike, and, and she loved it. She was riding around the house, and, um, and, and one day she had a friend come over and uh, d- who didn't have a bike. And so it was kind of, I was watching on the porch, I was watching this happen. And my daughter was riding her bike around the house while her friend jogged behind her. Uh, and this was happening for about like an hour. And I remember overhearing the conversation, the friend finally got up enough gumption to say, can, can I try the bike? And my daughter said, no, it's my bike. Uh, and so I decided that's a normal Thing. And so, so I, you know, I stopped I and mean, pulled her aside and had a nice little parenting moment. And I said, I, I said, honey, I, you know, I, I want you to try, I want you to share your bike with your friend. She wants to ride it too. And, he, and she looked right at me, right at me in the eyes. What do you think she said? But daddy, this is my bike. And I said, sweetie, you don't own anything. There is not yours. You, there is nothing in this house that you own. It is all mine, right? Every bit of it. Some of you got that. Okay. God made the world and everything in it. He made you. He sustains you. And there is not one thing in this world that is outside of his dominion. Psalm 89, 11 says this, the heavens are yours, the earth is also, also is yours, the world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The earth is yours, the heaven is yours, everything belongs to God. We are not owners, we are simply stewards of God's world. When we, come, we, we come to believe that things are ours because we work for it. I built that business, I worked hard, I gave hours for that, I, I made that that paycheck, it's mine. I, it was my blood, sweat, and tears that made that happen, my hard work. But the truth is, is who gave you the ability to do all those things? The ability to think, the ability to breathe, your heart is beating. Who gave you that? Well, God gave you that, and he can take it away from you. He gave you the platform in which to do all those things. And the sooner we come to the reality that everything is not mine, the better it will be for us. Now, you figured out by now that we're talking about money. So here's, here's line number three, okay, that might be swirling around your head, uh, is the church just wants my money, okay? Line number three, the church just wants my money. Now, in truth, I, let me just say, there, there's, a, there's a tad bit, because I think some of you might have history or some experience where you did have a poor experience with a church uh, that that was maybe did some slimy things with money, or they told you some things that were 
wrong, or or maybe they made some very kind of unbiblical promises. Um, and, and so let me let me first say that we want to be at the Church of Cane Bay and always have been as transparent as we can be uh, about our finances here at the church. Okay, so we we want to be transparent about how we spend our money, um, and we don't believe uh, in this something called the prosperity gospel, which tells you that you know if you give money, then you'll get cured of cancer, or that God will give you more money if you give money, or or somehow you're going to win the law or your business is going to do really well or you know, something like that. We, we don't believe that because that's not in the Bible. Uh, and so, but we, but we do believe that it is, it is, oh, it is okay for us to talk about money. Um, and we actually don't talk about it very much at the church of Cane Bay. We don't talk about it as much as Jesus talked about it. We don't talk about it much at the church of Cane Bay. The last time that we had a sermon on money uh, was January 2017. That was the last time we actually talked about it. So we don't talk about it that much. Um, and the truth is, the truth is this, the truth is that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want God to be glorified in your life specifically. And we want the gospel to advance, uh, and through missionary disciples. And, and we believe that we want to build missionary disciples. That's, that's our goal to build missionary disciples that grow in Christ, give to Christ and go for Christ. That's why we exist as a church. Um, and, 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 and God doesn't need your money. Listen, God can... God doesn't like, it's just like, if God doesn't think, you know, if Tom doesn't give money this week, I'm not really sure how the kingdom is going to advance. That's not how God thinks, okay? Nothing has ever occurred to God, right? Like, he, he always knows everything and can create at any time anything. Uh, and so he doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. The church is never going to be stopped because you don't give your money. Here's what God wants. He wants your heart. God wants your heart. He deeply desires you, and he knows that money is a part of your life and your heart. And the money will come, but God desires your heart. And so we as the church, we we don't care about the money. We care about your heart, and we want to shepherd that. As, as best we can. And so so here's where we're going. Uh, so to, this week, we're, we're going to be talking about this for three straight weeks. Uh, this week, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about one primary principle this week. Next week, we're going to talk about this idea of tithing. What does it mean for us to tithe, the biblical how-to? Uh, and then uh, the last week, we're going to answer this question. What if I were rich? What if I were rich? What would I do if I were rich? That's the third week. Okay, but so so this week, we're just going to talk about one simple truth. Okay, one simple truth. And it's, it's, this is very simple. God is first. God is first. And so we're going to look in Exodus chapter 13. Okay, so we're going to go Old Testament. So if you don't know your Bibles, uh, it's okay. It's the second book of the Bible. So you can go, go to the beginning of your Bible, turn past Genesis, and go right into Exodus. If you're like most people and you've got a phone and you've got a Bible in your pocket, okay? So grab your phone, uh, Exodus chapter 13. You can go to the live events of the uh, Version app. Love for you to follow along there, okay? So Exodus chapter 13. Now, before before I get there, I want to tell you that there's some there's going to be some real like Old Testamenty type stuff going on in today's passage. But and you're going to be like, okay, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, but I don't want that to freak you out. I I, I am going to explain it to you because but there is going to be some kind of like strange cultural things that are happening in this passage. But I don't want you to lose me. Just just jump in. It's going to be uh, it's going to be really good. Okay. So Exodus chapter 13. Okay. It'll be up on the screen if you haven't found it yet. Exodus chapter 13. We're, we're going to go in verse 1 and 2. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, 
both of man and of beast is, give me that, is what? Mine. It is mine. Now, there's a word in there that, that is really important. Consecrate. Consecrate. Now, to consecrate something, we don't, we don't talk about that. Like, as a dad, I'm like, okay, son, consecrate this to me. Like, we don't use that word, okay? So let me define it for us because we don't really know what it means. Consecrate means to make, it means to make or declare sacred, to set apart or dedicate for a divine purpose, okay? So we're taking something, we're saying that it, it, we're going to declare it to be heavenly or declare it to be divine and say, I'm going to separate it uh, from the rest and dedicate it for a divine purpose. And so if you think about it, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate, meaning set aside for me, call, devote something to be sacred, and he says, do this with the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb uh, of both man and beast, it is mine. Now, this is Old Testament for to sacrifice something, to give up something. So the first, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you do, if you're not going to, if you're not taking notes, write this down. Okay. So some of you will get that later. Okay. So number one, we give our first to God. Number one, we give our firsts to God. We give our first to God. Now you might say, well, isn't that kind of selfish? Like, well, I thought you just said that God doesn't need anything, but that's not, it, isn't that mighty selfish of God? That's, that's not it at all. He has given to us everything that we have and everything that we see, and he allows us to steward those things. And, and, and he makes this one demand upon us. He gives to us everything, and he says, I need to have the first things. The first things. And he talks about this in the form of animals. And when, so when an animal has a sheep or has a firstborn, you are to take that and sacrifice it and give it uh, to the Lord. Now, who, how does this work? Skip on down to Exodus 13, uh, verse 12 and 13. So Exodus 13, 12. It says, You shall set apart to the Lord all, the fir, all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. And every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if, if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, okay, this is where it gets real Old Testament. Just follow along with me, okay? So in the Old Testament, we had something called the sacrificial system, okay? Uh, and they would sacrifice or kill an animal and what they called a clean animal like a sheep. Uh, and they would, and those animals would atone for their sin. So they would kind of they would uh, ceremonially take their sin, place it on this newborn, perfect, clean animal, and sacrifice it or kill it and and bleed it and then burn it as a symbol of the death of their sin. Okay, and so the sin of the people symbolically put on these animals, and then they would kill the animal, saying death of our sin. Okay. Now all, now you're thinking, okay, wow, that's really creepy and weird. I'm glad we don't do it anymore. Yes. I'm glad we don't do it anymore. The reason why we don't do it anymore is because of Jesus. All of this points directly to Jesus, uh, because, because that's the purpose and point of the entire old Testament is to point to Jesus. Jesus was stated as this is the sinless lamb of God given as a sacrifice for our sin, that God literally placed our sin onto Jesus, his perfect sacrifice. And he was crucified on the cross 
for us. Now, what this passage is saying is it's saying that all the firstborn have to be sacrificed. And when you have something unclean, like a donkey or some other, like a pig or something like that, then you have to sacrifice something clean to redeem the unclean. So the, the second point is this, is the first is sacrificed so that the rest will be redeemed. The first is sacrificed, so the rest will be redeemed. Now, here's how, the, here's how this principle works. If you have a clean animal and it has a firstborn, you kill the firstborn. If you have an unclean animal, you have to, in order to redeem it, you have to take another clean animal and kill it on the unclean's behalf. Now, I know that gets a little confusing, so let's just work it through. I got a question. Think about this for just a second. We as a human race, are we clean or are we unclean? We're unclean. We are sinful people. The Bible says that we're born in sin. You know how we know this? Parents, did you have to teach your kids how to be bad? No. That little one-year-old is terrible, not because you taught them to be terrible, right? They have behavioral issues. They lie, and they cheat, and they steal, and they hit, and they get mad, and they get angry. You didn't teach them to do all of those things. They are inherently sinful. That's the reason why they do that. We have to teach them to be good. They already know how to be bad. We are unclean. Now, let me ask you a second question. Was Jesus, was he unclean or clean? He's clean. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God, born of a virgin, and he was perfect in every single way. The, uh, Colossians 1.15, you don't have to turn there, it says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And so Jesus is the clean that is killed for the unclean. And this whole system makes sense when we get to Jesus. And so we have hope, the unclean have hope. Because, G, because God tithed or gave up his clean and, unsp- and, spotless, uh, and spotless son so that we might become clean, okay? And so the idea here is that we give God our first. We give God our first so that we sacrifice our first so that the rest can be redeemed. So let me, see how, let me show you how this works. Sunday... Sunday morning specifically is the first day of the week. That's why your Sunday on your calendar happens first. And so Sunday we come into this place and we give up our time to worship Jesus. It's the first thing that we do every week. We do that, and this is why the gathering of believers is important. We come here and we sacrifice of our our time to worship Jesus so that the rest is blessed and redeemed. We tell you guys that it would be good for you to wake up in the morning and spend time in the Word of God. Why? Because it's the first thing that you do. It's the first half an hour, hour of your day to spend time in the word of God. Why do we do that? So that the rest of your time is redeemed. We tell you to do that now with your finances. Now we're going to talk about this idea that we give to God our first so that the rest is redeemed. So that the rest is redeemed. And the Bible calls this specifically, it calls it first fruits. Now, back in an agricultural society, so what this meant for them was if you were a farmer of fruits and vegetables and things like that, is the, the first of the harvest would be, um, so your first fruit, literally the first fruit that comes off the tree, right? After a long season of, of winter, you're looking, you know, the farmer is waiting. When is the fruit going to come? When is the fruit going to come? And you finally see those little buds, those little tiny buds, and they're coming. Like, oh, I can see the first fruit. Now, now, so if you're a farmer, that would be really tough to do, right? 
because you're, you're like, okay, I, I finally see it. Well, and then you begin to go, well, I've got to give those first fruits. Whatever comes off the tree first, I've got to give it to God. I don't get to take it. I don't get to sell it. It's not for me. It's for God. Now, that's tough because you don't know if it's going to keep producing after that. So it's a step of faith. And our, so our first fruits, and so this is talking about the firstborn animal, right? How do I know that they're going to have more animals? How do I know that they're going to bo- birth more babies? I, I really don't know. The first fruit of our paycheck is offered to God, the first part of it. And so here's the third point. The first fruit must be offered. The first fruit must be offered. God does not settle for second or third or fourth. He needs the first. Exodus 23, 19 says this, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The best, the first fruits, it belongs to God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Okay, so when an animal is born, it doesn't say, okay, you have the firstborn animal and that one's for God, but we're just going to keep it right here as an insurance policy. And when that, when that sheep has nine more, then I'll take that first one and I'll give it to God. But I gotta wait for that first one. I gotta wait for the nine more before I can. No, that's not what God. That's not what this says. It says that we give in faith, knowing that God is going to provide. It is an act of faith. And so, when it comes to our finances, how does this work exactly? So most of us, and I, I it is most of us. What we do with God is it really is not really the first place. Oftentimes it's the last place. And so what happens is, is that we get, we get our paycheck and we think about, okay, how, what's going to happen? And so the first thing that gets paid is our mortgage. And then the second thing that gets paid is our car payment. And then our electric bill, and then our HOA account, and then our credit card bill, and then our student loan account, and then we gotta get, we gotta put some money in vacation, and the vacation funds so we can go to Disney, and then uh, I've got a little bit left. I guess that will be what I give. Uh, that's what I give to God. The problem with that is God says, you know, I'm, you're going to give up of your first so that the rest can be redeemed. Here's the issue: your mortgage company can't redeem or bless your finances. Your credit card company can't bless or redeem your finances. The HOA certainly can't bless and redeem your finances. Only God can do that. And so we have to think about what's first. And it's not about the money. It's never been about the money. It's not an amount. It's never. A, it's not about that. So most of us get stuck. We get stuck on the percent. We we get stuck on the amount of money that it is. That's not what it's about at all. What God wants is what it's about. The order, the order of our hearts. He's always been about that. He's always been about that. Jesus Himself. What, what is what is what is the most important commandment? Jesus, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. He wants your heart. He desires to be first in your life. The great the, the, the commandments start this way, right? You are to worship God above all things first. And that's what God wants. And we get stuck in the amount, and we, but we need to prioritize our hearts in this way. This process of killing animals, not like you might think, man, this is really gruesome. I don't really like this whole idea of God needing animals and all that stuff. No, it's not about the animals. God, does, God can make as many animals as he wants. It's not about the money. God can make as much money as he wants. Who makes gold? God does. God makes gold. He can make as much gold as he wants. 
It's not about the money. It's not about the animals. It's the position of our heart. Are we ordering our life with God first? And this, if we understand this principle, then we, we really get kind of how the Bible works altogether. I mean, think about this for a second. This, this is like some Old Testament stories, but um, think about it for a second. God told the Israelites, right? God told the Israelites when they came out of slavery and they were crossing the Jordan River, and they, he said, I need you to go to the first town. His name is Jericho. And he said, I need you to take everything out of that city. You're going to take everything and you're going to consecrate it for me. Everything. Well, that seems a little strange, isn't that? It shouldn't it just be 10%. Like, are you, they couldn't take anything? The reason why he said to take everything was because Jericho was the first. You ever wonder why, uh, why um, uh, you have Cain and Abel at the beginning of the Bible? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you have, you have two brothers and they both bring before God sacrifices. They both bring before God sacrifices. And it, it seems really strange because you read through the story and God accepts Abel's sacrifice but didn't, didn't accept Cain's sacrifice. And so it caused all sorts of problems and they got mad at each other and Cain killed Abel. And it's, it's so weird because you're reading through it. I'm like, why did God... Why did God take Abel's sacrifice and not take Cain's sacrifice? That's really strange. But if you read it really closely, if you understand the principle of the first, then it makes perfect sense. Genesis 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. See that? An offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the what? Firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Cain brought an an offering, something that he had chosen. It was on Cain's terms. Whatever Cain wanted to bring, whatever fruit that Cain wanted to bring, that's what Cain brought. Abel brought of his firstborn. He brought his first. And God accepted the first but not what Cain had brought. And it says that Cain's face fell and he was angry. I've known this to be the truth my entire life. When I know, when I know really generous people, really generous people who give of themselves all the time, they're incredibly happy and they're incredibly satisfied. I've known people who are greedy and they are unhappy all the time. It's an interesting thing that God wires into us. God will not accept an offering that is not first. It has to be first in our hearts. So the fourth thing, here it is. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. When I say tithe, just want to make sure I define it for you. The tithe is our first 10% of our income. Leviticus 27.30 says this, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Now, I'm not going to get too far into this because next week we're going to be talking about this at length. Okay, we're going to cover a lot of that next next week. Um, But I want to make sure that you completely understand the tithe is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And it says, bring before God the tithe. Pretty important words there. Because you're thinking yourself, okay, according to this passage in Exodus 13, I don't have sheets and goats. I'm not, I don't have, I don't have, you know, pear trees to bring God fruits. I, I don't have that. How does that work exactly? I get a paycheck. How does it work? How does this whole principle of the first work with my uh, paycheck? Well, here it is. It's the first, when your paycheck comes in, it's the first thing that goes out. Very simple. 
When your paycheck comes in, it's the first thing that goes out. The way that my wife and I set it up, we have, we have digital giving. We give to the church. We give our tithe to the church. And the way that it's set up, we don't live paycheck to paycheck. But on the first of the month, this is the first thing that comes out of our paycheck. I set it up so every first it comes out. We have a budget. We have an Excel spreadsheet with a budget on it. It has our gross income. And then the first line is the tithe. It doesn't change. And we don't maneuver and manipulate that number based upon what the rest of the numbers look like. That's the first number. So it's the first thing that comes out of our budget. Now, I know that there are a ton of questions uh, regarding this, like uh, re- regarding tithing and how all this works. Do I, do I tithe off of the gross or the net? Or uh, do, do I, what, if I'm in, what if I'm in debt and I can't afford anything? Like, uh, I, I mean, I'm strapped down. I have, I'm, I'm just in crazy debt. I can barely afford to live now. How does that work? Um, I, heard you might have, I heard that you know, tithing is an Old Testament principle. You don't see it in the New, the New Testament. Well, how does that work inside of it all? Listen. We're going to cover all those questions next week, or at least most of them. Uh, And so I don't want to answer everything, but I just want us to get our heads around the idea that God is first, and therefore he demands our heart to place him in the first position. And we need to get our heads around that. Okay? So Exodus 13, let's go back to Exodus 13 right there in your Bibles, okay? Exodus 13, 14 through 16 says this. And when in time to come, your sons ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Verse 16. It shall be as a mark on your hand and frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Why do we do this? Why? Why do we give? Why do we tithe? It says this kind of prophetically in this passage. It says in verse 14, And when in a time to come your son asks you, why do you do this? Just think about it for just a second. Imagine if you're back then in the Old Testament, right? And you're a Jewish sheep herder. And and imagine if you're the son and you grew up with your father and he owns this flock of sheep. And And you notice as you grew up, That every time a sheep has a firstborn, that your father takes that newborn lamb and kills it and burns it and prays. And then as you grow, you learn the value of that lamb. That it would grow to produce, that you could sell it, you could sell the wool, you could sell the milk. That everything that it would produce, you could make money from. You begin to wonder, why, why does dad kill it why does he kill the prophet and so you think you're gonna like maybe let me have a little conversation i need to have a little you know a little intercession with dad we're gonna have a conversation hey dad listen we have we've noticed that you kind of have this sickness about you it's kind of weird every time one of our sheep has a firstborn you take it and you kill it and listen that's cutting into our profits Like, don't you understand? Like, we are sheep herders. That's what we do for a living. You're cutting into our profits with all this killing of the firstborn. Why why are you doing that, Dad? 
me will sit you down and say, son, there was a time when we weren't sheep herders. There was a time when we were slaves under Pharaoh and we couldn't herd our own sheep, couldn't have our own money, and we were slaves. But God, with a strong hand, brought us out of slavery and we are now free. And he has commanded, and I don't know why he has commanded this, but I think that he has a reason for it in the future. But he has commanded me to do this. And so I will be obedient because he has commanded it of me. And I know that in the future he will show his people why he does this. I had the same similar thing happen recently with my son. He... We've taught them about giving, and they, you know, make a dollar or something like that. And we, you know, and so he'll come, and he's got his dime or quarter or whatever it is that he places in the little, in the little uh, envelopes. And when the when the baskets come around, he's proud to give it, and uh, you know, he's pumped about that. And um, <clears throat> so we're talking about he's got his dime or whatever's in the envelope, and um, and so he's curious, and he and he asks me. One day, because he's curious, he's like, hey, Dad, I got, I got a quarter I'm going to give to the church. I'm like, oh, that's great, but that's wonderful. I'm glad that you're going to do that. That's being obedient to the Lord. And he goes, how much are you and Mommy going to give? And, uh, and so I was like, I, you know, I'll just have a moment with him. And so I, I was like, I, I told him. And, you know, anything over like $10 is huge to him. So, um, <clears throat> and so I, I told him what the number was, and his eyes got really big. And he's just like, that's a lot of money, Dad. It's a lot of money. Like, I, you could buy a lot of stuff for that. Like, why Why in the world do you get that? And there's that moment. God, I, son, I wasn't always a good person. I wasn't always a Christian. And we didn't always give. But God, with a strong hand, redeemed me through Jesus Christ through his blood sacrificed for me, and he has given me eternal life. And he has given our family so much, and it is our job to steward what he gives to us. And so we will gladly give because he gave for us. That's why we do this. It's not about the money. It's about our heart and what we're teaching our children to do. And so my hope for our church, is that our hearts would be turned towards God, that we would give our first. And we're going to get into all the particulars next week, but I want our hearts to be turned towards Him and that we would give our first to Him. So be thinking about that and be praying about that. And it might be convicting for you to hear all of this. And, and I, hope that the whole, I hope I'm not doing that. I hope the Holy Spirit is doing that in your life. And if you've got questions about that, what that means, I hope that you would ask more questions and, and rely on the Lord to answer those questions for you because we are going to be a faithful church. It's going to be fun watching God advance the kingdom through Cain Bay. Let's pray together. God, you've gifted. You have given so much. You are the owner. You are the maker. And our lives are sustained by you and you alone. And so God, we, we want to give our first. We want to give our best. We do not want to hold anything back. 
We want you to redeem our finances. You want, we want you to redeem our time. We want you to redeem our stuff. And so, God, we give of our first. God, help us not to hold anything back from you. Jesus, thank you for giving your all so that we might be redeemed. You didn't hold anything back. You didn't tithe blood. You gave 100% so that we might be redeemed 100%. So God, as we ask these questions as a church, God, I hope that we would be faithful, that we would be humble, to desire your heart and what you would want. Help us to listen well. And Jesus, be the Lord of our lives now.